You were listening to College Success Habits with Jesse Mogul, episode 90. Let's get to the show. Oh, this show's the best. The best show. Best show. Best show ever. Welcome to the College Success Habits Podcast. Do you want to triumph through school and have a little fun along the way? Learn habits to help you attain better productivity and hacks to help you slide through classes at any age. Here's your host, college circuit speaker, Jesse Mogul. Welcome back to College Success Habits. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. And as always, it is an honor and a privilege to have you here honoring me with your time and your energy and your input. I've been getting so many messages lately about the content as you finish up your spring semester, um, or for some of you in the Southern Hemisphere, perhaps it is your fall semester. Either way, it's great to be able to touch base with everyone here, have a chance to talk with you, be able to see where you're at in your years, open up the visuals to really begin to embrace what it's like to either see your your world start to step into spring where this this world of rebirth or perhaps you're starting to step into that fall into winter stretch now where you're beginning to get into the hibernation stage of your year. Um, it never does cease to amaze me like what we have grown so accustomed to be as weather patterns here for a certain time of the year, completely opposite on the Southern Hemisphere I would really love to go see a Christmas in Australia. I've been told by my listeners there and by people I've met from Australia that they will tune in to a lot of American television and and things like that over the Christmas holiday just to get that whole, it's cold and look, there's snow on the ground sensation, even though there it's like blistering hot. (laughs) I mean, just think about for the for the Southern Hemisphere that what is December 31st to them would be like our June 31st here. So um, I digress about talking about weather. It is spring break. We are finishing up that time period here in the States and in the North American region. And, and we start to begin to get past the apex of the spring semester and start to settle into finishing this year up strong. And I love seeing people enjoy themselves for spring break because it does very much remind me of the insane times that I had during spring break. When I was in Indiana, we once went to, uh, was it Fort Myers? Went to Key West one time, went to Panama City one time. I mean, of course I made a fool of myself in all of the, all of the locations. Um, and then when I was, what's funny is when I was going to school at University of Florida for spring break, I don't remember us ever going to the beach. We always went to like the mountains, uh, Winter Park specifically, because one of my friends' um, sisters had a cabin up there. So we would stay up there and enjoy that. So we went to snow while so many other people went to the beach. It's just funny the difference where you, where, what you're used to is where you go to the opposite of, right? So I was watching so many videos and, and news talk about Florida and, you know, we're finishing up the pandemic yet up down there, you know, people running around just enjoying the hell out of themselves as if there wasn't a pandemic. And I'm not going to even begin to get into the right and wrong, good and bad of that. What I really want to focus in on is watching everybody just get completely smashed drunk and enjoy themselves. And what the, the psychology that's at play when you step back from that and just see it from an outsider's perspective. 
because again, this isn't some old fuddy-duddy telling you how to live your life. I mean, hell, man, you know, if, then I'd be one of those do as I do as I say, not as I do, and not as I did kind of people. But specifically, what I think is really interesting around what I can witness as an outside perspective on this now is the sort of the interplay of self-worth versus self-esteem playing itself out. And I really think this is an amazing topic to bring to this show because this isn't like a traditional success college habits kind of show. I've gone and looked at who my competitors, quote unquote competitors would be. And they're very much, you know, bringing in people who talk about um, study habits and, and things like that. And we've certainly have covered those, right? But I'm more about the psychology of you and understanding you because it is when you can begin to find this balance, this symbiosis of yourself inside of your own mind, your own heart, your own gut, where you can take this emotional version of yourself and this rational, critical thinking version of yourself, and you can meld them together to create this wise mind. That's when you step into your empowerment. And I really think that when you um, are in a balanced emotional versus rational thinking mind, then that's truly where you are able to harness your best power. And that's what we're looking for here, right? We're looking for you to create the best version of yourself. Great study habits are fine and dandy and all, but if you're in the middle of an influx of of emotional turmoil, even the best laid strategies can fall to the wayside. I remember my high school, then turned college sweetheart, um, and we had broken up sometime during my freshman... No, we officially broke up into my junior year when I left Indiana and moved to Orlando. And I remember some years later talking to her again and she telling me like, you know, after the day after we broke up, I slipped on some ice and broke my arm and she played the piano and she played the the flute and she was like a 4.8 kind of student, like pre-med kind of student, right? Just amazing with her brain and just so many different talents. And she told me, she's like, oh, I broke my arm the day after we broke up and I was in a cast for the next three months. And she's like, and I still got a 4.0. And I still nailed my piano recital at the end of the semester. And she's one of those, I look back at just rare breeds who could have just you know, handled so much pressure on herself and emotional turmoil. And and uh, I mean, she did say that she had a lot of emotions that were going back and forth when we broke up, but certainly it didn't. she didn't allow it to bleed into other aspects of her life. She kept it very well contained. Not the case for majority of people. And mind you, she was telling me her version of the story, you know, who knows, you know, eight years later, what was really happening to her then. But because when you recall a memory, you're really piecing it back together based on who you are now, not who you were then. And so um, all the faith in the world that she absolutely nailed everything that she said she did. And then I thought, well, that's not the case for most people. Most people have an influx of emotions. And when they come in, they have a hard time of containing them within a, a certain area of their life. A relationship starts to have problems, and then that starts to bleed it over into work or school or other other relationship interactions. It starts to affect the way that you eat or the way that you begin to uh, work out or stop working out. Right, like it, it it really starts to meld with everything, and so it's it's very difficult for us to ever really separate who we are because we are all of it. You are all of those things. So if you feel turmoil in a relationship, it's going to be natural to start to see it move over into other areas of your life. And that's why self-worth and self-esteem is the topic for today's show. Because when I watch the Spring Breakers, I see a lot of people partying and having fun. I also know that 
this is a time in your life that 18 to 25, and honestly, it doesn't really stop until, I don't know if it ever really stops, but certainly when I turned 40, I had a lot less cares to give about how people were, I believed people were perceiving me and judging me. And from what I've talked about with my friends who are in their 50s and 60s and 70s and even 80s, you definitely begin to care less and less and less about how other people might be seeing you. Because you don't ever really know how someone sees you. Even if you ask them, they're only going to tell you what they want to tell you. And if they want to attempt to hurt your feelings, then they're going to say mean things. But if they want to be nice, even if they don't like you, they're just going to say semi-okay things, right? We've all seen this play out in front of us, or we've seen somebody else have this happen to them. So we know exactly what I'm referencing right now, don't you? And so self-worth and self-esteem. Real brief synopsis of the two. Self-esteem is an external validation. It can come from somebody actually saying nice things to you about something about you. Or you could do something, like teach somebody a new topic, like this show. I can get a lot of positive self-esteem back whenever I present a really amazing topic and I get good feedback. That's external. I projected my voice out into the world and I got positive feedback around that. So that's self-esteem, but that doesn't necessarily build my self-worth. Self-esteem can also be somebody coming up and saying, hey, wow, that's man, you've really lost some weight, or wow, your hair looks really good today, or wow, that's a really great outfit that you're wearing, and you feel, and you feel good about yourself. That's external. Self-esteem is external. Now, self-worth is what you value about yourself on the inside. If somebody says, wow, Jesse, that was a really great podcast that you put on, that, that boosts my self-esteem, but it does not necessarily boost my self-worth. Because self-worth is, it comes from internal, so it has to come from me. It can't be an external validation. Self-worth is valuing yourself through yourself. Write that down on one, on one piece of paper. That's a great quote right there. Put it on your refrigerator. Self-worth is valuing yourself through yourself. There's a disconnect of worth and validation that happens inside of ourselves, right? Somebody validates us, but it doesn't. there's a disconnect to our worth because it's coming external. So that person says we did a good job today. They could very well say we did a bad job tomorrow. So when you're looking to fill up your self-worth cup, it needs to be coming from the inside. And most of the time, we talk really crappy to ourselves. Like 83% of the time, random percentile quote there, by the way. I don't think there's actually statistical data that will prove how often we actually talk negatively to ourselves about ourselves. But let's face it, you know it's pretty damn high. A part of me thinks this is just part of the human evolution where, you know, parents will will validate what we do good, like pat us on the back, way to go, way to get good grades. But they expected good grades out of us. If you were somebody who normally got bad grades and then all of a sudden you got good grades, then you would get more validation. But not as much as if you always got good grades and then all of a sudden they collapsed. Now all of a sudden your parents are up your ass. You're getting grounded, you're getting punished. You drop a glass, you get chastised, maybe even yelled at. Whereas when you hold on to the glass, no one's shooting off fireworks for that. 
But hey, I didn't drop and break a glass. Shouldn't we be happy about this? Right? There's, you don't get extra credit for doing the things that we're just normally supposed to be doing. Not dropping glasses, not being mean to, to our, each other, um, not on purposely hurting someone else to get pleasure within ourselves, right? Uh, being a good student, showing up to work on time, perhaps being a good parent, right? Like these are things that you, whether you knew it or not, you signed a contract for whenever you decided to partake in that activity. Remembering to pick up your kid from school isn't something that people are going to shoot off fireworks over because you chose to have a kid. Therefore, you chose to pick them up from school. Showing up to class on time, turning in projects and papers on time and being prepared when you show up for the test. Yeah, you signed up for class. That's what you're supposed to do. So you don't get extra credit which there circles back to this idea that because that's the mindset I walk into things with. Now, if you were a really horrible student and all of a sudden you started to show up on time and you started to turn in assignments, you went, you showed up to work on time out of nowhere, class out of time, all of a sudden they're like, wow, you're showing up to work and class on time. Like You might get patted on the back more than just someone who always did that. But at some point, it just becomes the standard for which you now seek to just behave normally. Intent versus behavior. If your intent is to be a good student, then your behavior is showing up late to class. The behavior and the intent don't match. They're not congruent. Right. In order for your intent to behavior to match, you need to show up on time and be prepared. Then the behavior of showing up on time and being prepared matches with the intent of being a good student. So when you start to think about your intent and behavior, when you want to put forth the best version of yourself as someone who's confident and self-assured, if you're constantly seeking outside validation, then your intent of being someone who's confident and self-assured is, it's there, right? My intent for myself is to be confident and self-assured and to project that out into the public. But your behavior of constantly seeking validation and being a people pleaser is not congruent. They don't match up. The dots don't connect. You're, you, you say that you want to project your self-worth, but what you're really projecting out into the world is this external need for validation. And when you booze too much on a Tuesday night, when you let people talk down to you in a, in a social setting, when you let people touch you in ways that you don't prefer to be touched, but you don't want to rock the boat, these are ways that you're devaluing your self-worth and you're not valuing, right? You're devaluing your self-worth and you're, you're overvaluing self-esteem. Now, blessed be that we're in this day and age, this era of the Me Too movement. So hopefully that there's, there's less harassing going on in high school and college than there was. Now there very much is this world where you can step out and you can be public where you've, you've taken some hits, where people have perhaps you've gotten into your space in a way that made you feel uncomfortable. Certainly that is now more outspoken than it used to be, but I do not think that we're in a space where there's still not people who question the validity of those kind of accusations when they first come out. And now somebody is putting their self-worth on the line and they're absolutely putting their self-esteem on the line whenever they step out and say, hey, I don't think that things are being treated equally or fairly or in a just manner right now. When you talk real shitty to yourselves, then what you're really doing is you're just, you're, you're really letting not only your own automatic negative thoughts affect your own self-worth, but whenever you talk shitty to yourself, you're starting to echo 
the things that you've probably heard externally, either to your face or from around the grapevine, that have deemed your self-esteem, you're now internalizing them almost as if it's your own voice, which is even more detrimental. It's one thing if I stand in front of you and tell you you're stupid and ugly. It's another thing that if you tell yourself you're stupid and ugly. I might say it once or twice and walk away. You can repeat that to yourself over and over and over and over and over again because you're inside your head. There's no easy button to just automatically start to fill your cup of self-worth. That takes effort. It takes discipline. It takes lots of practice and application. Right? There's no, there's no perfection. That There is progress. You have to ask yourself, why do I matter? What is my value to me, to the world? Why do I matter to me? Why do I matter to others? Because what other people value in me, why I matter to other people, isn't necessarily what I value in myself. It isn't necessarily what matters to me about myself. When I see these college co-eds smashing down beverages and getting super smashed and dancing at the club, in the moment, your self-esteem is super high. It comes crashing back down when you wake up with that hangover and you look back at your behavior and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I behaved that way. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I kissed that person. I can't believe I said that to my best friend. I can't believe I spent that kind of money. All of those things start to ding away at your self-worth. What matters to you? What do you value? What do you love about yourself? If your behavior at night is causing your morning and afternoon self to question your own worth, you need to reevaluate what nighttime version of you is doing. I used to say this. I was like, man, nighttime Jesse loves to write checks that morning Jesse's ass has to cash. Nighttime Jesse loves writing checks that morning Jesse's ass has to cash. Say that 10 times fast and you won't be able to. But I can assure you, there are more and more and more and more as I manage my way through my 20s, barely holding on because of my drinking and, and drug use. And I was getting good grades, but it was by the skin of my teeth. I would write checks that my butt would have to cash in the morning. It would ding on my self-worth. And that becomes habituated. That behavior of doing things that you don't look upon with a bright light in the morning very favorably dings at your self-worth. And then those habits that you have at night begin to present themselves during the day and then eventually in the morning. And your self-worth just keeps getting lower and lower and lower and lower lower because of it. It's instinctual to have self-doubt. And if I go back to what I was saying before about our parents chastising us for the bad and not lauding us for the good, right? They, they want to keep us safe. They want to keep us in a certain world. They want to make sure that our behavior, while they're guiding us under their roof, leads us to leave, go off to college, go off to a trade school, just go off into the workforce and be able to create a really good life for ourselves. If they're a good parent, they want you to succeed more than they did. So they're going to wrap you a little bit more for doing quote-unquote poorly or failing in certain areas of your life rather than patting you on the back because they you're expected to succeed. You do not fail. And 
hopefully you didn't have a, as hard of a parents as I had, but certainly my dad was very much spare the, spare the rod, spoil the child when it came to the grades and my behavior in, in and around school and just overall how I was, you know, it was my grades. Boy, if I came home with a B or a C, man, I was bringing home all my books and reading all weekend. So it's instinctual to have this self-doubt in ourselves because most of us were shown the way of bad, you know, performing bad equals negative results. Performing good means, hey, way to go. You did what you were expected to do. So we instinctually talk shit to ourselves because we don't want to have these quote-unquote failure moments. And there is no failure. There's only feedback. But if you have somebody who believes in if you fail, you deserve to be chastised, they're not looking to give you positive feedback. They're looking to give you negatively reinforced feedback. Right? They're going to ground you or spank you or punish you in some way where you know not to screw up again next time. And this dings at our self-worth. It actually absolutely crashes down our self-esteem. So now we're seeking this external validation. Hey, look, Dad, I got an A. Hey, look, I got an A. Oh, good. That's what you're supposed to do. Man, but I worked so damn hard to get this A. But I bring home anything other than an A. Boy, boy, perfect storm. So you have to ask yourself, where is it that you have self-doubt about yourself? Seek out those areas of self-doubt. Do you doubt your intelligence? Do you doubt your beauty? Do you doubt your strength? If you doubt those, and that's coming from internal, and you're blocking the external messaging, then it's 100% you. Now, because we're humans and we live in the world that we live in, it can't just be 100% you. There is constantly these unconscious messages being poured into your brain. There's a reason why commercials move so fast nowadays and have catchy little jingles and songs and catchphrases and taglines because it seeps into your unconscious mind and it worms a hole in there. And then you go to the grocery store and you don't know why you buy Pepsi over Coke and you don't know why you buy Tide over Gain, but you just do. You don't know why you favor you know, one brand over another. You just do because it's being unconsciously imprinted into your mind. So to say that if you have any self-doubt about yourself, whether it's your looks, your age, your wealth, the money you make, your intelligence, and that if it's only you, then you can begin to build it back up because it's, it's, it's coming from internal and therefore it's easily reappropriated into an opposite manner, correct? Think about that. If you think negatively about yourself and you're only thinking negatively about yourself because of something you've told yourself, then you can just start to tell yourself more positive things and then you'll start to think more positively about yourself. But if you're being negatively influenced externally, and that's dogging at your self-esteem, it's much more difficult, especially if it's been drilled into your brain that you're bad, you're ugly, you're not good enough. Then the self-doubt you have isn't just internal. It's very much external. And with social media and keeping up with the Joneses and you know the 24-hour news cycle and the constant barrage of, of, from all the different apps that are on our phone, to say that our self-doubt is ours and ours alone and has not had any external influence would be damn near impossible to say. And you know how I feel about definitives like always and never. I, I, well, you know, I've said this before. One of my favorite sayings is, I always never use definitives. If you're using these universal qualifiers, always and never, to say, well, I, I always make up my own mind. I always have positive self-worth. That's not realistic any more than it's realistic to say that any self-doubt you have about yourself is only internal. It's going to be coming from external. 
So how do you begin to tear down that wall that has been built up? Write down these questions. Why do I matter to myself? Why do I value myself? What do I value in myself? What value do I bring to the external world? Why do I matter to myself? Why do I value myself? What do I matter what do I value in myself? And what do I and why do I matter to the world? So that's two matters and two values, okay? Why do I matter to myself? Why do I matter to the world? What do I value in myself? And why do I value myself? Very important questions to know how to answer. Why do you matter to yourself? Why do you matter to the world? What do you value in yourself? And why do you value yourself? Answer these four questions and begin to build daily affirmations, positive self-talk. Use positive post-its and put them all over your house. Write really nice things to yourself on your mirror so you see it every morning when you're brushing your teeth. Tell yourself that you are good-looking, that you are smart, that you are bright, that you are enough. Getting smashed in Daytona Beach for spring break is like a rite of passage to the American college student. Going to a beach and getting way too intoxicated is a rite of passion, passage. But if you're using those moments to build up your self-esteem, while it's negatively influencing your self-worth, you're causing yourself more harm than good. You feel validated, you have esteem in that moment. But those same people who were cheering you on during the keg stand can turn on you in an instant if they deem your behavior to be something that they can begin to pick on and poke at in order for others not to notice where their behavior is starting to seem less than positive. You make a fool yourself and somebody else made a fool of themselves, they might start calling you out so no one remembers that they made a fool of themselves too. You go kissing on everyone or sleeping around. People might start dogging on that just because they're jealous of the freedom you have with your own body and the self-worth that you walk around with. Or they might see it as an opportunity to tear at your self-esteem knowing full well that you don't have self-worth. It can be any myriad of different hypotheticals I throw out, but only you will know. Is your behavior just letting off some steam? Or are you seeking external validation to bring you positive self-esteem? And will that external validation actually tear down your internal self-worth? Why do you matter to yourself? Why do you matter to the world? What are your values for yourself? Why do you value yourself? You have value. You know what those values are. Seek out the answer to why do you value yourself? Why do you matter to yourself? Why do you think you matter to the world? If you seek the external rather than the internal, your self-esteem leads the way, and your self-worth will be what falls to the wayside. Do you really want that to be something that you're trying to rebuild while everyone else seeks to tear you down externally. There are so many different ways that you can build up your self-worth. 
Start to seek that from the inside and notice how you change on the outside. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. 